and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneres, and I'm passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the We Podcast, my guest is Kate Johnson. Originally from Delaware, Kate now calls Greeley, Colorado home, along with her husband of 10 years and their two energetic, adorable young boys who are five and one. She loves living in Greeley because of the people, the delicious craft brews, and the ability to travel between the mountains and eastern plains. After working in the corporate world for eight years, Kate became a CrossFit coach three and a half years ago. She loves working with people to find their strength, gain confidence, and reach their goals. As a result of her own experience with a difficult delivery, as well as pelvic floor issues, Kate is passionate about working with pregnant and postpartum women to help educate, empower, and support them as they navigate this chapter of life. She is a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach and has worked with some of the best fitness professionals and physical therapists in the world to better educate and understand considerations for women in all stages of life. Kate started her business, TulaFit, earlier this year and offers educational workshops in conjunction with local pelvic floor physical therapies, as well as consultations, private coaching, and online programming. During the interview, we chat about lots of things that mamas need to know post-pregnancy. I can't wait for you to have this info. So here we go. Here is my interview with Kate. episode of the We Podcast. On this episode today, my guest, I get to speak with Kate Johnson. Hi, Kate. Hey. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really excited about the topic we're going to chat about today, but also I am just excited to get to know you better and to know more about you and your story. And we got connected through the Northern Colorado Moms blog, both being contributing writers there. Yes. And the first time I heard what you did, I was like, I totally like, of all that group of women that day, I was like totally <laughs> gravitating towards you. Like, I need help with my pelvic floor. Okay. I remember that. It was like 30, like, like 30 seconds, like in, you're like, we need to talk. <laughs> and then there's like a can't, like a candid and was in quotation marks, like photo of us. Yeah, but we were in a small group and I think we were talking more about that. And I don't know. I'm yeah. doing something crazy with my hands, which I usually do. And you're <laughs> laughing, I think, but I just love that picture. So <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yes. So now everybody today gets to hear what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Vaginas. 
Yay! Yes, let's just start out with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> do what I mean. <laughs> I love it. No, it's great. But that's what you do. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's definitely no. something that we're going to talk about. You just right. came out with your first blog post in the Northern Colorado Moms blog. And um, it's all about the pelvic floor. And you can actually, I'm not even going to try and explain it because this is not my area of expertise. I need your help even, obviously. So, uh, <laughs> and girl, yeah, I am definitely, I work with like a team of experts here. So kind of person that like bridges the gap between, um, like the physiology experts and then bridging the gap back into fitness for women and for just people in general. So in that blog article, it's probably more references in a blog article than, I don't know, any blog that I've seen. But I think it's important, though, to reference mm -hmm. um, where all this information comes from. So totally. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. very well-educated people who's done a tremendous amount of studying that goes into uh, pelvic floor health and, mm. and those types of considerations. So, but I loved how like approachable and funny and just down to earth your article was. I thought it was oh, amazing. You. Yeah. So I will definitely, for those of you who are listening, I will put that article, a link to the article in the show notes so you can easily reference that. You will want to read it if, especially, well, if you've had children, something that every mom should know about. For sure. So I want to talk about the down there, the vagina, you know, all of that. But first, <laughs> before we go all that way, let's get to know you better. <laughs> yes. We're just going to get intimate right off the bat. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, it's warm in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So why don't you just kind of start out by telling us about about you, your background, and okay. kind of fill us in on who who you are. Who is Kate? Where'd your story start? What's your journey been like? And then we'll lead into what you're doing now. Okay, perfect. So I am originally an East Coaster. I'm from Delaware. Yes, people actually are from there. <laughs> um, I always get like, oh, Waynesboro, Delaware. Um, but yeah, no, I was born and raised there and went to school in Maryland. I went to high school in Baltimore and I went to college at a small liberal arts college called Washington College in Chestertown, Maryland. And it was a very small school, but I was very lucky to play some collegiate sports there and make like just the best friends uh, possible there. And I also met uh, my husband who was from Colorado, is from Colorado, and his name is Jeremiah Johnson. So if like there's any older like movie buffs listening to this, like He's got the big beard like Robert Redford does in the movie, and you know, he gets that all the time, so sidetrack. Nice. Um, but, <laughs> anyway, so that's not why we dated. Um, but he, uh, yeah, you know, we met, and we just had this really great connection, and 
when he was done, I was a year older than him. And um, when he was done school, he decided to move back to Colorado and he had younger siblings, much younger siblings, and he wanted to be with them to kind of see them grow up. And we did the whole long distance thing. And that's kind of like that make or break deal. I think, you know, mm. you can either get like really close with somebody during that time or um, you just, you know, that connection just doesn't hold up for one reason or another, and it just doesn't work out. And our connection was able to go stronger every day. We're apart for about eight months or so. And I decided to make that leap and drove almost 2,000 miles out here to Colorado about coming up on 13 years ago, which wow. is hard to believe. Like, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, about almost 13 years ago this January, moved moved right here to Greeley. He always, he's from Yuma, Colorado, which is about two hours east, like due east of, of Greeley and from a small town. Then he visited Greeley a lot growing up and he said he would never live here, but here we are all 13 years in Greeley, <laughs> 10 years in this, no, 11 years in the same house. And yeah, we... I was a corporate manager at a large insurance company or a, a manager of a team um, for a large company, kind of like pre-kids, pre-mom life. And I went back to work for a short time after I had my first son and I just felt like I was not doing what I was meant to do, which was to help people while I was a manager and a leader of a team. I was spending a lot of time in a windowless corporate tiny room, just meetings upon meetings. Uh -huh. And I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't feel like I was doing what I needed to do with my life. So mm. yeah, my husband and I decided that I would stay home and we, uh, I had no regret. I have no regrets about staying home. So with my first son, Reese, he's five years old and um it took us almost five years to have him uh we went we struggled getting pregnant and um you know luckily we were able to right before we started um having any type of fertility treatments we were very lucky and ended up getting pregnant with him and uh I just felt so grateful for that experience mm -hmm. that I wanted to cherish like those early years and so that was something you. that just worked out for us um, I am extremely grateful for but in that time too I've never lost that desire to want to help others or just kind of I don't know I just always love helping and, and doing things for other people and so I had I've always I've been an athlete like my whole life. And when I moved here to Colorado, I kind of lost that part of me. I just got sucked into work, a million other things. And uh, the old Chicago World Beer Tour got sucked into that pretty often. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I kind of like lost track of my athlete identity. And I found CrossFit the year before I was pregnant or the year I became pregnant, and I just fell in love with the community that CrossFit offers, and after I had my son and came back, I realized I wanted to be a coach. I thought, like, that's maybe where I could, 
like help people. And I didn't really know at the time I took my test to become a CrossFit coach about three and a half years ago and started kind of one class at a time. And it has never once felt like a job to have to go and coach. It's always been an opportunity to go and help people realize their strengths or help gain confidence or just listen to what's going on in their lives. And it's also kind of like my little time for, for me. It helps me grow as an individual, being able to, to help and problem solve with other people. And I have just fell in love with coaching. Like I, I mean, I, I know there's other things that I will do with my life, but at this moment in time, I love coaching and being a supporter of others as they as they like gain the goals or like as they realize goals in their own life. And I like being there for that. Let's see this last. Oh, well, there's a lot. Um, I told you I was <laughs> a long talker. Um, so <laughs> you're good. So kind of like bringing this back into what I do currently. So my first pregnancy, I was very athletic. I worked out all the time. There's not really any guidance. I felt like for pregnant moms, it was either like my doctor like freaked out. Like seriously, he's like, Oh, how much weight are you lifting? He's like, what? Five, 10 pounds. I was like, well, I lifted 65 pounds. Um, he's like, what? And like, and, <laughs> um, and like that hadn't been like a huge weight for me. It was you know, moderate, but it wasn't, I mean, out of the question at the time. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, he was like either like just walking, like really like light exercise activity or, um, this was the type time, like kind of Instagram was really coming in. So people were sharing a lot, like pregnant, not powerless, da, 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 da. So like, I feel like there was that momentum swing kind of being shifted to like, just keep doing what you've always done and you'll be fine. You're, mm. you know, pregnant, not powerless type of thing. Like you're just mm -hmm. going to be a badass. Like there had been enough I think, research done at that time, like where it showed like moderate activity is not going to hurt the baby. Like it's good. Exercise is good for you while you're pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. So I just did what I did until my shoes didn't fit because Reese was the end of August baby. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the day my sneakers didn't fit, uh, somewhere around mid July was about my last workout and I didn't know. I just pl planned for the perfect birth. I had all the right amount of birth plan copies to give to all the people at the hospital. I did my birth class. I didn't want to learn about C-sections because I wasn't going to have one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm like, ah! <laughs> right? No, no. I'm, I am going to go natural. Like, I am embracing motherhood. Yes. Like, you're like, mm -hmm, girl. Mm -hmm. um, Isn't it so, funny, though, how we end up doing all these things that, like, I remember even saying, like, my children will never have a pacifier. Like, you like you say like all these things beforehand. I will never have a C-section. Oh and then gosh. my kid, both of my kids had pacifiers for like ever. I had the hardest time. I swear it was like God's way of saying, <laughs> "Told you so." <laughs> yeah. 
listen, I, so my kids, I was lucky. I tried to give them a pacifier because I was like, God, would they please just take a pacifier? But they, yeah. they really didn't. But ooh, my five-year-old and the Kindle right now, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's where this is coming back on me right here. <laughs> so I'm in that season right now. But uh, yeah, definitely was not having a C-section. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, okay, I got this. Um, in the hospital, uh, things started not going so I was a week overdue and but I went into labor I was like okay like this is great I get there and like you they, you do the p-test for like the eight millionth time and they're like well you have protein in your urine I'm like okay like that seems to be new but um and my blood pressure had skyrocketed but they're like okay well you're definitely having this baby you're like we're checking you in and it just from there it all seemed so surreal absolutely nothing that i knew to plan for i finally i was like the contractions have become so i was like i will take that epidural <laughs> um and they're like ooh we cannot give you an epidural i they didn't tell me at the time and i actually found this out like about well, it was probably about 10 months later at my annual, but I had a, 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 an issue called help syndrome. And basically it's where like you start like losing control of your, like some of your organs and your platelet counts dropped and you can't clot things when you need to. So like that Mm -hmm. risk for bleeding out is very high. And so they couldn't give a spinal because of like the risk for all of that. So anyway, um, the last thing I remember before I was put under anesthesia for my first baby was them asking me what color I painted the nursery. And I just remember thinking, I didn't paint the freaking nursery. We can just not be able to have this baby. Because my mother-in-law had asked me <laughs> what color I was going to paint it. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to paint. But so that's the last thing I remember. Um, I, afterwards. I was just in drug-induced state for like two days. I called my son. I don't remember like the first, I don't remember like the first few hours. I don't, I called him like all the names on our baby list. Like I couldn't keep his name right. His name right. Um, I, it's just something I just never thought. I was in the hospital for five days. Emergency C-section from under anesthesia, labored. Um, all of these things, but I was lucky, you know, we were both healthy and we both were released. Um, and through that, I, you know, healed like well, um, or I thought, well, a, and I say this in my blog, but you know how I, well, I don't know. At least this is what I did because my son ate all the time. So like my phone in the middle of the night, Amazon Prime and Google were like my best friends. <laughs> so like the Prime, the Prime box is like at the door every single day. But, um, so I like found that this thing called diastasis recti and it was talking about how your abs can separate, essentially separate during pregnancy, which is normal, like to make room for a baby and and organs and that type of thing. But what's not 
as normal is if they don't return back to a functional state. They can be slightly changed, of course, but if they're not functioning and creating tension across your core to work and create strength, um, essentially for balance, coordination, your core really is your power source for mm -hmm. everything that we do, you know, then it becomes an issue. And there's an, at the time, the standard way to test this was uh, doing a two finger, or a, putting fingers around at your belly button, doing a small crunch up and seeing how many finger widths apart the separation was. And I noticed mine was like over three fingers, which wasn't normal. And so I was like, oh God, like, what does this mean? So I asked my doctor at my seven week postpartum uh, checkup. And he just kind of was like, you know what? It's normal. You'll be fine. You're cleared. I got that green light. It wasn't the six week clear because I had a C-section. So seven week all clear green light. I'm all sweet. Like he totally was good with it. We are good to go. Went back to exercise like right away and didn't know, like, obviously I was weaker, um, but I just tried to jump right back in to like where I had left off mm -hmm. and didn't understand like what I, I mean, I knew my body had been through a lot, but I didn't like necessarily respect that and understand really from a bigger picture what all of that meant. Mm -hmm. And as a result, like just over the years, like I developed, well, I have like, I had the diastasis, but I developed leaking when I jumped, like, so any type of jumping, I would leak sometimes a lot, sometimes just a little, and my girlfriends that were moms were like, oh, that's totally normal, because you're a mom, but then they're like, but you didn't have a vaginal delivery, so then I'm like, oh, great, now I'm super weird, I, I'm all, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that whole thing and um like just like low back and hip pain and I just never really felt like totally connected with my body and I also had like I was so scared of getting pregnant again and going through delivery again because of what happened um it was like a really traumatic experience for me I don't really think I knew how to process that mm -hmm. and yeah um, but three years Three and a half years later, I had my second son, and he will be two this December. And luckily, I was able to find um, a really amazing network of fitness professionals, and through them, have really educated myself on why why women need to advocate and educate and talk about like these issues that are, are so common that they're normalized, like leaking, like mm -hmm. diastasis recti, uh, pelvic organ prolapse is a big one that a lot of women deal with, but nobody ever talks about, you mm -hmm. know, and by learning that, by taking these courses and educating myself, like with these certifications, um, it's not like a rabbit hole because I feel enlightened, but it is like, like the more I, we like I dig through this stuff and connect with other people it's just amazing like some people's stories that they've gone through or what they what they are currently undergoing as far as being told that it's just normal it's a mom reality you know just 
put a pad on and mm -hmm. move on right or having like your your insides feel like they're gonna fall out well there's just surgery for that go ahead fix it up well that's me yeah yeah exactly. see all of this is why i'm like see this is why i needed you yeah so yeah yeah you had surgery or i i ended up having a hysterectomy mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah and sometimes like that is definitely it just mm -hmm. depends well it's interesting because i had traumatic births with both of my kids yeah after logan the doctor told us actually told nick behind my back <laughs> that, that was great yeah 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 uh you she really shouldn't have any more kids like don't let her have any more children and <laughs> he like told me later but yeah not not very cool um no. Bobby is just not made to have children so when i had aubrey Mind you, that was 18 years ago. Sure. Things are were really different back then. Right. And I think the same thing that happened with Logan happened with Aubrey, but they didn't really know. So I ended up having a four-step birth with her. Oh my gosh. And I got I had 50 stitches from So did you have like a you had a, obviously a severe tear? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Bill was wrapped around her thigh and they didn't know. Yeah and they just kind of ripped her out. It was, thank the Lord, like nothing serious happened to either one of us. Absolutely. Yeah, but then 11 years later, I had Logan and it ended up being, they had to induce me because I, every, every test I took came back positive. <laughs> like strep B, all every, all um, gestational diabetes, like every test I oh took, they're like, yeah, you have that. Yeah. You have that too. Yep. Yep. Oh, like, okay, great. Can you just give me one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you have high blood pressure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, come so on. I know. And I was in better shape probably before I had Logan then I don't know. Yeah. I was older though, for sure. So it could, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I had, they induced me and that ended up like last second emergency C-section. And it's, it's interesting, like as you're talking, it's kind of like the recovery, the only thing that they do is check your incision site essentially like right. that is it there is no follow-up there's no like hey this might be an issue for you ever since then I mean I've struggled with my weight that's something I talk about but core stuff like I've tried working out and I have a really hard time because my lower back hurts and I know it's because my core is so weak and so it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, well, it hurts to work out, but it's right. hard to find somebody who's knowledgeable in this area. So this is why I'm like, Kate, you're the answer to <laughs> Girl. Like seriously though, it's just so crazy because you're absolutely right. Like they're like the, um, like our doctors, when they see us, like they, without a doubt, like do their job as far as like making sure we have the best pregnancy possible, deliver mm -hmm. the baby, like making sure like that we're both 
healthy for that moment. And then really like, okay, like everything has moved back to where it needs to go. Check, like you said, check the incision or check mm-hmm. um, uh, like your vagina mm-hmm. and just to make sure everything is, is looking at least close to where it should. I think in a lot of cases, like the six weeks is kind of like the end of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people get that green light or that all clear. And I think as a society, we just kind of take that as like, okay, well, I'm going to get back to doing what I have always done. I'm going to try and get my body back because I, you know, I don't know. Like I see all these like body back or bounce back. Yeah. Which like, I don't know. I thought it's not something at six weeks or eight weeks, 12 weeks. Like I think should be a primary focus. Like I think we need to talk about like, okay, you've hit that six weeks. Okay. Like that's part one. Part two, like now you need like another six weeks, 12 weeks, however long it takes of uh, pelvic floor physical therapy. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people, myself included up until 18 months ago, I'm like a pelvic floor. Well, like I, didn't, <laughs> yeah. I just thought like pelvic floor meant vagina and I'm like, <laughs> uh, like that's it. But it is like this whole amazing network of muscles that like supports everything. And yeah, see, I think of it as like when you say that, and this this is was good because you explained it in your article, so I got to read it. But I thought Kegels when you said pelvic floor, I thought, oh, you just do Kegel exercises, and right. that's it. That's all. Right. <laughs> and like, but that's like what we're like. Oh, like just do your Kegels, do your Kegels, like. Um, cause like I've, I have heard that, like do your candles and I would like, kid you not, I would just sit there and like, like, I think I'm doing it right. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like act like you're trying to stop going to the bathroom. Like that was the cue. Yeah. I really like, there's so many different cues and a lot of people don't do it the way they should. And a lot of times, like, it's just a, a lot of people train it as like an isolated movement. And really needs to work in conjunction, like with our whole body. And mm-hmm. like I go into workshops and kind of explain this further. And I collaborate now with a pelvic floor physical therapist out of Fort Collins, where she really, I mean, she's the pro at that. Like, but you know, and she talks about you know how our whole system is meant to work together, and and then as a result, our body is is able to regain function. So when we have our, those leaks, that diastasis, it's really just our system not working well together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that part of it was fascinating to me. And then also, fun fact, I had a really tight pelvic floor. A lot of athletes do. A lot of women do just in general, because in society, we're taught to like always hold everything in tight, like suck it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do that, we don't relax our muscles and that can actually cause like a hypertonic pelvic floor, which means too tight. And so if you think about it like a bicep, like you wouldn't always be flexing your bicep all the day. And that's essentially like what a hypertonic pelvic floor would be, would be like, like trying oh. to flex your your pelvic floor muscles all day. Yeah. Um, and eventually they just kind of give out because they're tired. And so then leaks wow. would happen for me. So constantly doing kegels, trying to tighten an already tight muscle, 
Mm -mm. but I didn't know that until I went to a professional that was able to assess me and really provide that piece of the puzzle for me. And that for me, um, and everybody's different, but that for me was the game changer. That's why I haven't peed when I've jumped in the last two years. That's why I rarely experience, I won't say never, because I try, like I push myself as an athlete or especially now, like almost two years postpartum, like I've ramped up the intensity of my workouts, but I rarely have lip, uh, lip <laughs> hip and low back pain together. And um, I have a functional diastasis. Like I still have a big, a big, it's like a three finger gap. So like by like the old definition of a diastasis, I still have a diastasis because I have a gap, but I'm able to create tension through that. So meaning like I'm not able to like press down into that, into that gap when I have connected like my pelvic floor and my abdominal muscles together. So like my body's able to talk together and create tension to be able to do the jobs I ask for it, whether that's like picking up the 20th Lego that I've stepped on in the kitchen or (laughs) picking up like 250 pounds off the floor. Like it's able to now respond to the jobs that I'm being asked. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without bringing in a pelvic floor physical therapist onto my team as part of my rehab process. And I call it rehab after pregnancy because all birth is a traumatic process, like a traumatic event. I don't care if you had the easiest birth ever, like you still had a baby come out of your vagina and mm-hmm. like things change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it could still be a blissful experience. Like you don't have to have the trauma that we necessarily had to go with that, but your body has still experienced trauma. Just yeah. like if you were to sprain an ankle or tear your ACL, like there's ways that you like rehab those things. And we totally. don't do that for pregnancy. Yes. And it's, it's so such true. a missing link. Mm, it's like, oh, you're not pregnant anymore. Your incision's healed. Now just go back to life and act like everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're talking and I'm like, shoot, like, I never did physical therapy. Like, like I still, you didn't know to do physical well, therapy. Right. Like I still yeah. feel like I need physical therapy, even though my baby was born six years ago. <laughs> and it, you know what? And I think that's the even cooler fact is that it doesn't matter how many years ago you had those babies. Like, I don't care if you had them last week or you had them 50 years ago. Like there is help available for you, regardless of where you are in in your journey. And once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. Like you, your body has gone through those changes and it will always be a postpartum body. Does that mean you have to have to live with the mom, like with the like old standard mom realities of like low back and hip pain or leaks when you laugh and cough and sneeze or jump on the trampoline? No. And you know what? A lot of those things are fairly, I say fairly easy, but like through a few sessions with a pelvic floor physical therapist can usually be improved or managed or altogether fixed. And I mean, every case is going to be different, but with the pelvic floor therapist that I've had the opportunity to work with, 
really, like it goes back to coordinating that system, understanding like truly how your body's operating and dialing in a few things, dialing in a few strategies that can help you move forward. And it doesn't have to be a scary process and it doesn't have to be a long process necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, uh, most of the people find success and are able to get back to doing the things that they love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know about it because we don't really talk about it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, diastasis is starting to get a lot more, I guess, like a lot more headline coverage recently, at least in kind of like the circles that I've been in. And so everybody talks about the gap. And I think most people are worried about from like an aesthetic standpoint, more than a functional standpoint. Mm -hmm. But we really, I think, need to change the conversation to instead of like aesthetics after baby, like we need to go to function after baby function first. Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, once you get that, great. Like if you want to, you know, try for that six pack, try for, you know, whatever it is you want. That's great. But let's make sure everything's working first and then you can go and hit whatever big picture goals you have in life. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's important to set that foundation rather than having to revisit it later because now you've injured yourself as a result of pushing too hard, too fast in an Mm -hmm. effort to look like you never had a baby (laughs) in the first (laughs) place. So um, Mm -hmm. I think we just need to kind of mind shift a a little bit and change that part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, because I think this is uh, something that moms struggle with in general, is even with somebody who maybe works out regularly before they have kids to after they have kids, I think a lot of moms struggle to find the time. I know me personally, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't have time or I have this little baby and how am I supposed to go to the gym and you know, all of that stuff. So what advice do you have, I guess, for moms in that situation? That is such a great question. And it's funny that you bring that up because I literally just wrote that down on the same piece of paper as I was jotting notes. Um, (laughs) Cause like a blog idea had come to me when I was like, jotting this stuff I'm like oh like maybe for the next one maybe I'll write like kind of ways to fit in some intentional movement um but um yeah oh my gosh once you're a mom like it or even if you're not a mom like and you just have like a crazy crazy work schedule but Mm -hmm. um like your whole life changes and it's not like I like self-care is so important but when you have kids running around from Mine are early risers, so bless them. Um, <laughs> like usually like quarter after six until, you know, 7.38. You know, there's not a whole lot of time unless I, unless my spouse is available, you know, where you can get a workout in. And I'm extremely lucky. He knows that I need, uh, most days I'm able to to go and get an hour in that's my me time and it makes me a better mom but that time mm-hmm. isn't always there every day or if he's out of town and I work with plenty of people that don't have that same availability and I think some of my favorite ways to incorporate movement into just our everyday life is like okay we unload the dishwasher probably like once a day 
maybe every other day if I'm lucky, but I make like more frequent trips back to the dishwasher and like I'll squat down and like pick up each dish and then like reach up to the cabinet and do it. And I will work on like breathing and just like movement with that. Sometimes when I'm cooking, I just do push-ups off the counter just because I'm right there and they're kind of fun. And sometimes I like to pretend I'm like one of those amazing people that can do like the, the plyo push-ups or something. <laughs> but I just do them off my counter and I don't clap. And then my kids are like, what are you doing, mom? <laughs> um, but so I just, I find like creative ways, like I'll practice I'll, I'll like work on hip hinging and or over lunging when I'm straightening up the living room and picking up the toys before the babysitter gets there. If I'm lucky to have a babysitter or something that day, or I just find, try and find ways to try and go on a walk every day, even if it's for just 10 minutes around one block. That doesn't happen every day. I try and get fresh air or just go out to the backyard and you know, kids love to move too. And so, like, even my almost two-year-old, like, he'll try and do, I'm like, hey, Rhett, let's do some squats. And he thinks it's, like, a fun little game. And <laughs> I'll do bear crawls with them. I'm their, po- like, he calls me his pwn. I'm his pony. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I have a really funny picture. I don't know if I've shared it on social media, but I'm, like, it, like, the definition of, like, a functional mom lifestyle, like, why we need to be strong. and like why we need to integrate like that rehab back into our life is I'm like giving my five year old, well, four year old at the time, a pony ride uh, or a bear ride or whatever he calls it, um, around the living room. He's like dressed up in a stormtrooper mask, like carrying a lightsaber and we're <laughs> I'm like crawling around the living room with him. But you know, like that takes a lot of strength. And a few years ago, I would not have been able to do that because I would have felt like my insides were going to fall out before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, just it, a minor it, detail, just a minor <laughs> detail. Um, but, and that kind of, that like deviates from the question that you asked from, of me. No, that's okay. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think finding fun ways to incorporate movement into movement that you're already doing is a really great way. Like mm-hmm. do a couple extra squats when you're unloading the dishwasher, do a couple extra lunges when you're picking up the living room, do a couple of laundry basket deadlifts. I love here. that though, because yeah. I think so often we think it needs to be like formal yes. time to, to like count. Mm-hmm. But, and we have to go someplace or we have to be on an elliptical or treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And really sometimes all it can take is like a few minutes of intentional movement, like mm-hmm. a few times throughout the day. And just by doing that, like you can see drastic changes in, in your function, in your body. Um, mm-hmm. I am extremely lucky to have just worked with somebody who, you know, she came to me because she did feel like she, her core was so weak. She couldn't pick up her kids the way she wanted to. She felt like everything was falling out of her from the front. And I mean, we've, we've worked together for about seven weeks now, but, um, in that time, like she, like one of the first thing, well, I, first of all, I sent her to a public floor therapist. And so she, we knew the baseline. And then second, we reviewed some of the exercises the PT had given her, but the first 
the second thing I guess I taught her our first session was just how to squat down and pick up her kids. It wasn't a rehab exercise. It was just a functional movement that she does every day. Mm-hmm. Like, can we find a way that creates, or can we find a way that she can do it without pain and where she feels more supported? And that's what my job is right now as, as a, a, a so I'm a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. It's through a program through one of my mentors, Brianna Battles, who has trained some of the best CrossFit Games athletes um, in the world and who's now become a, a friend of mine whose program that I've gone through and who's just completely changed my mindset with all of this. Rehab doesn't necessarily have to look like rehab. Like it can it can be squatting down to pick up your kids, mm-hmm. but it can be strategies that complement you regaining function. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that is what, I don't know, like that's so important. I feel like yeah, for people too, like you don't have to always do like the things you don't want to do. Sometimes you right. do, but not always. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, but anyway, yeah. So long, long story short, she's like, much stronger. Her diastasis is, is healing. Uh, we still have work to do, but she's doing amazing. And I just love seeing her smile and like that confidence in herself again. Mm-hmm. Just been, like we've, we've like, we've cried over a little bit. Um, but it's mm. been really cool to see or for somebody like some athletes to not pee anymore when they run or, mm-hmm. or yeah. something along those lines. Um, or just to be able to even talk about it with their spouse finally and know that they don't have to keep it a secret. Like it can be something like that too. Yeah. Like where I've had, you know, just, just bringing this to the table. Like I've seen it just affect, like I, I, I feel, and from what I've heard for the most part, like the better in people, you know, people aren't at least in my circle now to as afraid to talk about it, they bring it up. They know it's common, but it's not normal to have these things happen. <laughs> then there's no more pee jokes in front of me because I'm like the pee lady. I'm like, hey, you want to talk about that? Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's never something I saw myself doing. I've always been kind of like the quiet, shy person, unless like I like I get to know you. But otherwise, I'm pretty introverted. And when I coach, though, I I feel like I thrive. And then when like through my personal experiences and my own like outcome and just like my feeling, I'm like, this cannot be something that we don't talk about. Like mm-hmm. I can't coach women that are my friends that I like, I can't sit here and coach them knowing that there's help. I'm going to get emotional, but I can't sit here and not tell them like that there's a better way. I have to at least be able to tell them that there's hope and what they do with that, that's that's their decision. But I like mm-hmm. I feel like it's just my mission to um talk about it no matter how uncomfortable it was for me at the beginning, but to talk about it and just get it out there and let people know. Mm-hmm. Like that's really like yeah. my whole mission this year is just like educate, empower like women to advocate for themselves and love that whole process so yeah well before we started recording you said in 2018 (laughs) you've gotten really really comfortable with the v word 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So like, I feel like earlier this year, I would never have said vagina on a, well, first of all, let's talk about the fact that I would never have like think, thought I was going to be on a podcast, but um, <laughs> that was like way at the beginning of uh, January, but uh, let alone saying vagina. And um, I have had five where I am coming up on my fifth workshop this year where we're hosting a three-hour workshop all about the pelvic floor and core and strategies mm-hmm. um, surrounding movement and how they can help support your athleticism through pregnancy and postpartum. But I'm like pretty strong with the word vagina now. Like I can say it, <laughs> like, let's just talk about vaginas. Sorry, I didn't know that makes some people uncomfortable. It used to make me really uncomfortable. That's good. I like it. At the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think as women, we need to be comfortable with vaginas. Yeah, we do. And like, I mean, like, it's a big part of our life. And like, like, you know, so many of us just think it's so normal to have these issues. Mm -hmm. Like, like the leaking or we didn't, we haven't really talked a lot about it, but it's, I go into more depth on it, like on my blog article a little bit, but mm-hmm. pelvic organ prolapse, like, I feel like a lot of women feel like that is like, I don't know, I, like death sentence is like way too strong of a word, but like a life sentence, like maybe yeah. like you can't like enjoy the things you used to, you have to give up things. And that isn't always the case. And surgery isn't always the answer for like, mm-hmm. these things. Like, but you learning how to manage symptoms with the help of a therapist and um, re-coordinate your body yeah. like, can be huge on mm-hmm. how you're able to go out and live the life that you want. Totally. Pain, pain with sex. Like, oh my gosh, like oh, so many people or so many women deal with that. And a lot of times, like, just by seeing the public floor therapist, like, and again, not always, but a lot of times that can be managed and helped. Mm. And like, don't you want to learn about your public floor? Like it can do like all of these amazing things for you. Right. Well, I was and thinking, can it also just make sex better? In general? Yeah, absolutely. Better? Yes. It can make, like, it can make everything better. <laughs> Seriously. Everything. Everything yeah. better. Like if you're an athlete, it can make uh-huh. you so much stronger, male or female, if you know how to use your pelvic floor. Because guys, mm-hmm. like they have pelvic floors too. It's a little different, but for the most part, still, still all there. They can still have some of these same issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a woman thing, and um, and I think a lot of times it's just thought of as that. Um, but yeah, like it can improve your overall athletic performance. If you, I mean, that's like a big group of muscles people aren't utilizing all the yeah. time. Like you think about your glutes and your quads and hamstrings, like pelvic floor is like right on board with that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, if you know how to like utilize a huge muscle group like that, then it's just yeah. going to make you a better athlete as well so I mean all of these different things Mm -hmm. um, well I just love I love that you're normalizing this conversation because that's one of my very favorite things in the whole wide world is talking about things that people don't normally talk about (laughs) 
I know she's also talking about it as well, but yeah, like it's not, it's not so common. Good. But that's changing. It's changing. Yeah. It's good. Well, people so, like you are helping it change for sure. Yeah. So, hopefully. They, and there's yeah. a great community of women out there in the country that are doing the same thing. And if anybody like has issues with any pelvic floor um, uh, dysfunctions, like they can certainly reach out to me. I have like a lot of different connections through mm-hmm. locally and then across the country, uh, like different groups, support groups, that type of thing. Um, awesome. you don't have to go through this alone. Um, and yeah. sometimes with a lot of these things, we can feel really alone and yeah, it does not have to be that way. So there's a lot of help out there that people want to give. Mm-hmm. So if there is anybody listening that wants, wants to know more about, maybe I can like give some of those links to you, Sarah. And Yeah, yeah. I, I will know. put links or, in, in the notes of how people can get in contact with you, follow you on Facebook and okay. Instagram too, right? You're on Instagram, Instagram too. Yep. And then um, I will put also a link to your uh, part one of the blog article and part two is coming out fairly soon, right? I think so. And then in October, on October 14th, you're having the workshop and that's in Denver? Yes. Yep. Okay. In Denver, I'm having a, my fifth public floor and core workshop. So cool. a three hour long seminar. And usually though you're in Windsor right? I am in Greeley. Greeley. Um, yep. So I operate out of Double Diamond CrossFit, like right on the corner of 59th and 10th Street. So like you see the crazy people out there um, flipping tires sometimes. They're like right across the street from Sonic. So I'm working. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Okay. <laughs> I know where it's at. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're we're right there. I awesome. don't I live my life in right hand turns because I don't live very far from, from there. So it's like <laughs> Well, I don't live very far from there either. So we're gonna have so. to figure out where we live. We might be neighbors. Yeah. We, <laughs> we might be. <laughs> it, like small worlds all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's where um I do where that's where I coach CrossFit and then I've had the opportunity to run some workshops out of there and then also cool run like consultations if people just want to talk and like kind of figure out maybe a game plan I do consultations I do one-on-one private training well how lucky am I that you're so close (laughs) oh my goodness like we will chat yes great people and we can talk and yeah that would be amazing so much help and hope and you you can like just do the things that you want to do. It might take time, but like you don't have to live like <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with, with the pain. And um, yeah, well, and I think yeah. too, like there's this whole other piece that we haven't really talked about. And I feel like I'm maybe opening another can of worms, and I don't know if I should, but I'm going to. <laughs> Do it. Really quickly. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally game. Okay. Okay. So there's this like whole other piece of l- like body image and mm. 
I know that I asked you for a picture to put in, you know, with the, the advertisement when this yeah. episode comes out. And, and you were, I said, oh my gosh, you look freaking amazing. And what did you say back to me? Do you remember? Oh, what did I say? I think probably somewhere along the lines of um, thanks. Like I was really self-conscious to take these at the time. Yeah. Way outside my comfort zone. Oh, I was like so much fear and security and anxiety over a lot of these at the time. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said. That's what and, you said. Yeah. And, and so. So I want to talk a little about that because I see your picture and I'm like, holy crap. Like she looks freaking amazing, you know, and you are coming back with, there was a lot of fear and anxiety and yeah insecurity surrounding those pictures and for me I'm like oh but how you know what I mean no so I think we all have I think we all have this thing with the body image piece that is a struggle for women in general I would say and I like I think for a lot of women it really is a struggle and I think it I don't know for me I have had like that body image struggle for a a long time and I'll say it's gotten better. Like I said, I'm a work in progress for most of those pictures. I felt okay. It was when I took my shirt off is when I was like, Oh God, I'm so naked. Um, (laughs) um, uh, Like I can remember in high school, and I mean, in high school, I was maybe a hundred pounds. I was not, but I didn't, my family, we had a beach house in, we'd re- stay at the beach every year together with my family. And I would stay upstairs in a bedroom and I wouldn't come out or I wouldn't go down to the beach with my family because I didn't want anybody to see me in a bathing suit. Mm. And I look back, this might make me cry too. But I look back at those family pictures and I'm not in them because I was afraid of the way I looked. And I just like, oh my God, like seriously, like I like wish I could go back and talk to like that 16 year old girl, 15 year old girl and be like, oh my gosh, like it's like, this doesn't matter. And um, like what? And then there wasn't social media, thank God, I can't imagine, (laughs) but there was a lot of magazines, and Mm -hmm. so always, like, that constant comparison, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, like, to some degree, like, that carried with me for a while, and then I was, I was pretty athletic, and I added a lot of muscle in college, and I was with, like, a lot of really strong girls, but even then, like, it was, like, always in the back of my head, like, gotta stay lean, gotta stay like, don't want to eat too much, you know, but, like, I, w- I did better because, like, just because I needed to be able to perform, and, and I think I could have been a better athlete if I would have actually, like, nourished my body entirely the way it should have been, and then, like, entering, like, mom life, like, 
oh my gosh, like after I had Reese, well, first of all, during the pregnancy, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to gain like more than the 25 pounds they tell me is normal. Um, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that. Like pregnancy, like what happens in pregnancy is like out of your control. Like, <laughs> you kind of just have to like relinquish it and just like, yeah, I mean, what your body does, like you can't, like, and I learned that like, oof. Man, I tried to control it pretty good after I was postpartum that first time around. Like that first like food challenge back the new year, like I was on it and I hit it hard. I won. Like I was like, I am in it to win it, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, through CrossFit, I realized in order to be strong and hit goals, I needed to. I needed to be strong and being like that meant adding muscle. It didn't mean being a certain number on a scale. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. It meant like being able to perform. And for the first time in my life, like I made that connection. And ever since that, so it's been like four and a half years ago, ever since then, like, as I say, like work in progress, like I haven't been concerned with the number on the scale. Like my flex, my weight has fluctuated as much as 20 pounds, like both ways. Honestly, I like the version of me where I'm a bit heavier because that means I'm stronger and I can be like more badass in the gym, which <laughs> I thrive, like I thrive on. Like that's for me, but uh-huh. I feel better. I have more energy after my second son. I didn't focus on, on that. I like only started looking at like I ate whatever I wanted, did whatever I wanted, like in moderation for, I don't know, let's see, like six months after I had him. And then I, you know, I started dialing in a little bit more, but not, not significantly, but I ended up having to change my diet quite a bit because he had developed a, a milk and egg allergy. And so, um, like to the point where I have an EpiPen for him. So mm-hmm. I had to cut those foods out of my diet. I'll do wow. things. And as a result, I lost a lot of weight and that was very unintentional. And I was very upset that I lost all of that weight because I lost a lot of muscle very mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, on the outside, I looked very fit, but on the inside, and this was when I was still going through, I hadn't quite seen the PT yet. I was still like putting all those things into play. Um, on the inside, I felt so broken because I'm like, mm. I like, I want to be this strong person. And here I am. I'm like probably the lightest I've ever been since like end of high school, beginning of college. And it looks like I'm fit, but I don't know how many conversations I had with people. They're like, Oh, I wish I had your stomach. I wish I had this or that. And I'm like, girl, I wish I had your body. Like, look how strong you are. Like, look how much weight you just lifted. Mm. Like, that is amazing. Mm. You don't want to just look a certain way. You want to be able to perform a certain way, whatever that means to you. Like, you want to be able to do the things that mean something to you. Just because you look a certain way doesn't mean any, like, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't go out and do the things that you love to do. So, like, now I've gained, like I've gained probably like, I don't know, like eight pounds back. I don't know. I don't keep track of like very closely, but I feel better. I like regained a lot of strength that I've lost. 
and still feel self-conscious sometimes, but I'm getting better about like taking off my shirt and I'll make myself take off my shirt like in the gym Uh just to like prove to myself that I can be brave for me. And and nobody knows, like nobody really knows like that's what I'm feeling, but that's what I'm feeling. And so I take it off to like, I don't know, like, I guess prove something to myself, (laughs) um, that I'm like more than for me, like more than a flat stomach or something along those lines. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm strong because I'm me. I'm not strong because of the way that I look necessarily, but it's what, for what I can do. Mm -hmm. And I want, like, I just want people to know it's for what you can do and how your body can function. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't need to be a certain number on a scale. I've met so many athletes who look are are just amazing, regardless of a number on the scale, and just women altogether. Like, she's like, shoot, like you have like however many babies, like five babies. Like, look at you. Like, there's no way I could. Yeah, you know, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I could be as strong as you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, wow, like you are so strong, and so. I think it's just, again, and I think this has gotten better in social media, but, um, like you're starting to see ads now, like where they feature like normal working women, not in, in some, not all, but Mm -hmm. um, I just noticed at Target the other day, there are, uh, pictures in their women's section are like average. Yes. Mm -hmm. Average. Mm -hmm. not to say like some people are extremely lean and that's just their body type and that's fine um but just to have that ideal yeah um, always pushed I think is is something that ends up doing maybe a little bit more damage than good and Mm -hmm. um at least at least for me and some of the other people I know um where we should really in my mind like be embracing this culture of strength and function and when I see somebody who can, who walks into the gym and says, I can't do that. Like I can't pick up a weighted bar and we have a conversation and we work together for a couple of weeks and they pick up a, their body weight off the floor uh, with a deadlift. They're like, holy crap. I just picked up my weight off the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like let's talk about emotion. Like that moment breaks so many barriers down for so many women that they've held up for so long. Mm. And it was like, just, I don't know, it's just incredible to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I'm even weepy again. Maybe it's just because it's late. <laughs> um, but like, that's how much, um, oh. that's how, like, I just, I don't know, like finding, finding a group of women that can embrace strength over image, I think is a really awesome thing. And I think we're getting more of that. that. I think we're really getting more. Even, um, I saw a Lululemon ad the other day of, of like a normal, like normal, like no six pack, no thigh gap. (laughs) It was just, uh, just like a normal person, like who is just normal. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, like that is awesome. Like it is awesome. You know? And I think that's just so great. Like we need to be able to see that. And most recently too, part of a smart fit girls organization in Fort Collins, where they're running programs for adolescent girls in seventh and eighth grade. 
but they're running workshops and, and seminars with strength training and to help build um, self-confidence and that mindset of like, you don't have to shrink yourself just because mm-hmm. you're a woman to fit into society, like that you can be strong. And so it's teaching these girls that, and they're absolutely incredible. That's and I think so it's cool. just something that like, I hope that we can like get out into more yeah. of our communities yeah. at, at a younger age. Like, yeah. Oh, definitely. Talk to me about strength when I was that young. Maybe yeah. I like, maybe I'd be in those pictures with my family. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, well, the crazy thing about that too is that I feel like we do that. Like I know, after I had Logan, I well until like a year and a half, two years ago, when I really started being more visible on social media, I wouldn't be in pictures at all because. I wasn't happy with the way I looked, so there, right. everybody else was in the pictures. <laughs> Girl, I, so I think, Yeah, yeah, so I can totally identify with you in that, I mean, mine was later in life, but not, not being with, not being content or happy with the way you look, but I love the way you reframed that, absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful in that yeah being strong and that's what matters to be able to do the things that you love and i love that you are helping women in this way so amazing so i feel like um we're gonna have to talk more after (laughs) i I might need to come to crossfit um who knows? Um, I've never tried it. I've never tried it. Some yeah. people are intimidated, but the best thing to do is just start because it is, is, all right, so it might not be everybody's first choice of a workout, but we can modify and meet everybody where they are. Like, so, not kill I, me? Oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> no. I will not kill you. Absolutely not. So, okay. so grace you. Before we end, though, I need to ask you the two questions that I ask all of my guests. First one is, is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? Um, so the most vital thing to my growth has been, uh, it's kind of like a little bit of two things, but, um, so one was finding that community of strength and mostly women, but people who understood where I was coming from and ultimately connecting with them for awareness and empowerment together where we know now go out and talk about these things, but not feeling alone anymore with this group of women. And then second, mm-hmm. just taking chances, like finally just be like, all right, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. I'll do this at some point. I'll do this later. But finally just being brave and Mm -hmm. taking that chance on myself like going out there and doing it and like just like really being vulnerable I think and knowing what that really meant for the first time in my life has been like so vital to everything I've done in the last year Mm -hmm. um, which has been Mm -hmm. crazy to me yeah it's awesome Mm, I love those that's another v word that I love vulnerability yeah all about those b words <laughs> yay for the b words <laughs> I love it. 
awesome. Why do we call this one the V cat? I don't know. Okay. You're awesome. Okay, so number two is what do you want to make sure that people know? Really, I want people to know that um really I'm just gonna use this as my platform, but to really know that they do not have to go through pregnancy and postpartum alone. And that goes for anything, whether you are having trouble emotionally, physically, but there is so much help that's out there. It's not always talked about or advertised, but there are people out there to help you and serve you. And like you, and also just to advocate for yourself. If something doesn't feel right, advocate. Don't just stop at, okay, well, they said I was okay. So I guess I'll just go back to doing what I've always done. Advocate for yourself until you can figure out what it is that you need to know. And yeah, I mean, common mom things are not normal unless mm-hmm. it's like your kids waking up and that's probably not normal either but it was pretty common in my house Um, yeah uh, so yeah like that just you know you don't have to live with leaking you don't have to live with pain you don't have to have all these things just because you're a mom go out there advocate for yourself you can do the things that you want to do without having those symptoms Mm so so yeah so that's I'm gonna use that what I want people to know that and that it goes for men and women. If men are listening to this, go tell your wife, your sister, your mom. Doesn't matter what age. There's hope and help. Mm-hmm. So. It's awesome. I love it. It's really a good topic for men to know about. Oh, it's so huge. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. a women's thing. If anything, their wives or oh, daughters or mothers mm-hmm. are going mm-hmm. through these things, and then you know, men can have these same issues with incontinence and prolapse and yeah I mean mm-hmm. it's diastasis they have diastasis too um there's you know, there's a couple types of prolapse they can't have because they don't have a uterus right. um, or a vagina <laughs> but, uh, but yeah you know so I mean yeah all these things it's not just a women's health issue it is just a, a people issue yeah so awesome well, thank you. Thank yeah. you so, so much. And I know we talked a little bit about how people can find you. And so know that those links will be in the notes for okay. the show. And I really just encourage people to reach out, to follow you, to see what you're up to. I love this conversation. I love your openness about it <laughs> and your heart surrounding it too, because you can tell, and I know you said earlier you weren't living your passion. And and Mm -hmm. I can tell when you talk that this is your passion and that you're living it. And sometimes it's really beautiful how our plans don't totally work out because it points us in the direction of where we're going to be and where we're going to be able to teach about, which is exactly where you are. And it's so just beautiful and cool. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to 
sit down and chat with me and I love like getting to know you better and I have to find out more about how you got all into this podcast world, but yeah. <laughs> over a drink sometime. Yes. <laughs> in <good>. person. <laughs> yes. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right, my friends, thank you for being here with us for episode number 30. I'm grateful to Kate for sharing her wisdom and heart with all of us. This is stuff that's got to be normalized in conversations, not only between women, but with healthcare providers and anyone who is on a woman's team to success and ultimate health in every area. Our bodies are beautiful gifts and not something we should be ashamed to speak about. I love how Kate frames the body image into strength and knowing how strong each of us are. If we continue to not talk, we will never get to optional functioning. We will never get to a place where we can see and embrace that strength. Thank you for speaking it out loud and proud, Kate. We will benefit from you taking a less than ideal situation and using it to live your passion. If you'd like to connect with Kate, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, and on her blog post. So I have those links for you in the show notes. So thank you for being with us today. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time. Mm -hmm.